Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute is one of my favorite exercises to do with the K-Poly, and that is the pull-through. Guys, once you've figured out about how far you need to walk out with the K-Poly, grab whatever attachment you're using for the pulley, walk yourself out there, and really push your hips back at the K-Poly. From there, when you hit that stretch, really punch your hips forward, keep your chest up, and try to extend your knees and your hips all the way through. And this is where one of the major benefits of using a flywheel kicks in, as it pulls you into a deeper stretch as you push your hips back in, into your hamstrings and your hip extensors, so that you really open it up and stretch everything out in the back. This is an exercise that I'm sure your athletes are going to love to hate, but reap awesome rewards from. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Coach, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Just getting everything situated. I was going to say something about the hair, too. Yeah, man. Well, this, uh, it's, hey. going, it's going on a while for me. It's getting out of control. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, not too long ago, this is just how I used to walk around, and then I let it go for a little bit, and now it's just like whatever. I got a feeling I'm gonna to have to do this once or twice more before we can get back to, back to the real world. You know. I was gonna say something that resembles what normal was. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Dude, but I'm fired up, man. Like I'm, I'm stoked to hear like what you guys have been doing down there in Nashville when it comes to the VBT stuff with the baseball team. Okay. Wow. We're going right into that. <laughs> Let's get it, man. Let's get uh, it. As far as what we do with the velocity-based stuff, let's, uh, let's take a step back. We'll basically assess our guys when they get on campus, all right? And then from there, I'll put my guys in buckets like a lot of us do, all right? I'll get – I think – I go back to a quote that I think Cochran said in like a 60 Minutes piece, you know, back in the days when he was, he was doing those things for uh, Coach Saban. He, he said something about he gets these athletes – that he compared to Mercedes. And I'm, I'm similar. I get elite-level athletes when they come in here. But I also get the guy that has no idea what he's doing in the weight room, none whatsoever. So we'll take that from the very beginning. We'll do our assessments, put them guys in buckets, and see if they actually qualify for something with the velocity-based training that we do. If they don't, we take those regressions and we make, we make the proper – programming decisions going forward now once they get in the program and they've met the standards to use the velocity based stuff 
we'll use the elite form system. Uh, we have one of those in each of our racks and I'll kind of use those as parameters to put on a workout. It's nice that they'll give immediate feedback. Uh, the screen will go green. We're good. If it hits a red, we're not hitting our numbers. So a lot of those things will be like a dynamic effort day, to be honest with you. And I can keep those guys, those guys that fit those qualifications within certain ranges that we are with, within the program where we're at. Gotcha. Before we go too far, Peg, so I don't miss the question. Yes, because in the algorithm, the caloric expenditure is part of your next day's readiness. I don't wear it, though, when I'm training. Uh, he's asking about the ring. Um, oh. My aura ring. But no, so I think then what's more really important to start with, Coach, if you could, because everybody likes to talk about we do assessments and we have regressions and progressions and all this, that, and the third. But what are the assessments that you start with? And why do you pick those? As an athletic trainer, it all started out with an orthopedic thing. That's my background. That's my so-called expertise. That's, that's where I started. So uh, it started simple. We used FMS. And if we noticed something during the FMS, we would take – we would go down that algorithm and go, okay, where's, what's next, what's next, what's next, and follow that, follow that chain along there. But uh, it kind of grew from that. It was shoulder range of motion. It was hip range of motion and things of that nature that we thought were more specific to baseball athletes, the guys that we deal with in particular. So I'm very fortunate because that's all I deal with. I deal with baseball players. So I could fine-tune that assessment and – keep an eye on these guys and monitor them throughout the season, throughout the time that we get here. Now, let, with that be said, these assessments, I think we sell ourselves short as strength and conditioning coaches and athletic trainers. As a strength and conditioning coach, I see these guys every day in some capacity. And you get them that first day, that first week you have them on campus, and you try to establish these baselines. I got guys coming off summer ball that had played another 60 games on top of their season. I got guys – I got guys that stayed on campus and trained with me during the course of the summer. I got guys that honestly just didn't do anything. So uh, establishing a relative norm for those guys is, is nice, just kind of knowing how they move and stuff like that. But don't sell yourself short. Like every day these guys come into the weight room, it is an assessment to me. Yeah, we do the, we do the wellness surveys. We take care of that stuff. I'm monitoring workloads and, and things of that nature, nature, weights and things of that nature. But if you notice something off, <laughs> that's when the coach's eye has to step in and go, that's not right. Have a conversation. See what the problem is. Is it, is it a physical thing that day? Is it a mental thing that day? But uh, back to what you were talking about, it, it originally started with FMS and kind of working off there from my athletic training background. So then how does that dictate? where they go and then what do these buckets entail organized chaos in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> we uh we're fortunate enough like the strength coaches in our in our league the sec are, are very accommodating for the most part where we go so we'll travel to we'll travel to a ballpark and we'll do a game day lift say i go to south carolina and i work with billy anderson he'll open up his facility for me on friday morning and you walk into the weight room, you would think I would have absolutely no control over what's going on. There's, there's different programs for guys that are playing a lot. There's different guys that just haven't played and they're, they're still on the travel roster. You've got starting pitchers, relievers. I mean, there's seven or eight programs going on at once, all right? So 
and even getting smaller than that, especially when they get back on campus, is one, I want to make sure you move right. I think that's a quality that we're all looking for. And once you establish that, all right, let's challenge you a little bit. How can we, how can we build on these demands of creating an athlete that's resilient with our sport? And then once you've been in our program, maybe two, three years, and those guys that have been a senior in our program, which I don't get too many of, uh, we get a little creative. Uh, my expertise is not in Olympic lifting, but once we get to that point, we'll try to explore some of those natures. But I think – I think I've been fortunate. There's there's a guy named Ken Revisa. Late Ken Revisa is a mental skills coach for the Cubs, and his my favorite line of his was, "Let's do simple better," and that's by far the very first thing we're going to accomplish when you get here. If you show me that you have some kind of movement competency when you arrive, yes, I'm going to challenge you in other ways. But if I get that guy that has no idea what he's doing in the weight room. We're starting very, very simple. How simple? And, like, how, how do you take these – if you wouldn't mind giving an example of, like, some, some regressions or progressions that will come from your evaluation. Uh, identifying uh, the necessity of a squat pattern. I'm not a guy that's I, – I think that there is some level of squat that you can perform in some way, shape, or form. And that's coming from an athletic trainer that's typically uh, very conservative <laughs> – like there's plenty of athletic trainers that I've worked with that are just frightened of the weight room. That's that's not the case. So finding that squat progression, squat, finding that squat progression, that pins progression that we can do. All right. Uh, even with the FMS, if you score a two on it, you can actually load that pattern in some capacity. So we find the right one for that particular individual. Is it um, is it a kettlebell squat? Is it a landmine squat? Is it is it a front squat? Is it a safety squat? Is it a, is it a back squat? Do you have that level of movement, move a competency to actually do those things? So that's one thing. And then we'll find out what particular single leg pattern that is more beneficial to them to start out with. Because uh, not all these guys can manage a lunge very well. Is it a split squat? Is it a Bulgarian split squat? Is it uh, front elevated? Uh, something of that nature. Is it a step up? And then those progressions based off of those those assessments from there. I dig that. I like that because I think that being able to determine the starting point is probably three quarters of the battle. Uh, and like I said, I mean, that assessment goes on every day. Uh, man, you're doing this really, really well. All right, let's move on. Let's challenge you this way. Let's let's either change the load. Let's change the setup. Let's let's change the let's change the application of the exercise that we're trying here. No, I like that. Cause you can change that in so many ways too with these guys. Without a doubt. I, and that's kind of why I moved into this role. I mean, like even, even as a young athletic trainer, a GA, the relationship that I had with the strength coach wasn't really, really that great. I'd go in like, Nope, he can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. And the strength coach is looking at his program going, Whew ouch, that's not much we're doing today. I'm not sure we're really helping this guy develop in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, And I had to step back after that and try to create a better relationship and understand what he's trying to accomplish along with what I was trying to do. So, And a lot of it I was trying to do myself, and I was trying to take away from the strength coach and, all right, I can make this guy squat better if we do this, this, and this. Well, I'm not in this alone, and neither is the athlete, and I shouldn't put him in a position that, 
think that we're in this, just the two of us trying to get him better. So I dig it, man. So then let's run down that a little bit. Cause I think that that's one that unfortunately people still have an issue with. That's kind of, you know, that sports med S and C back and forth and being a guy. And this actually was a question that was sent in, you know, being a guy that's worn both those hats, like where are some things that you think and, and what needs to be done for, for that cohesive, like back and forth to be better the common language is probably the biggest thing i think when i got into this there wasn't a lot of discussion between the athletic trainer the position coach the hitter hitting coach pitching coach and the, the strength and conditioning coach it was like all right you do your thing all right if they're broke go fix it hammer let's let's get them back to let's get them back to sports specific exercise and then hopefully they'll get stronger in the weight room and i just didn't think the model was optimal where we were at so and that was kind of my biggest selling point like i think we can create a better model here if we're talking a common language if we're trying to create these uh, break break down the barriers that those old school things that that taught about no as a strength coach i'm going to do my best not to hurt you but I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to make sure that with the assessments and over the years, the addition of a physical therapist, uh, the new athletic trainers on staff, a sports nutritionist that we've just hired. So creating a common language and long-term along with short-term goals as a staff has helped our guys incredibly. So how can that, how can that team approach where do you see, some, some common mistakes and where are some things that you, again, moving from one to the other now, where are some things that now that you've been on both sides of the fence here that you look back and were like good learning situations for you, whether it was something that you were doing or was done in the weight room or with a sport coach or whatever. My very first year as an athletic trainer in Vanderbilt, we had a pitching coach named Derek Johnson. He's now the pitching coach for the Reds, a very smart guy knew what he was talking about. We were sitting down at the end of the dugout. I remember this day vividly. We were sitting down at the end of the dugout, sweating in a fall training session, and something happened. And I don't know what particular thing was said or if I said anything to him, but he looked at me, and he goes, I know just enough to be dangerous. And I'm a I'm – a, I'm a first-year athletic trainer. I'm fresh out of undergrad. I had my experiences in grad school with baseball coaches, but it wasn't anything of that level, I'm going to tell you that. I knew then and there, like, I had to prepare myself for the conversations that I was going to have, whether it be with a sport coach, whether it be with a strength coach, or anything of that nature. That way I put everybody in a situation that they need to be, uh, making sure that I had good conversations with the doctors, making sure that I was able to talk to DJ, our pitching coach, about, all right, here's what's going on physically. Here's what's going on as far as workloads and things like that. But that's something that I remember right from the get-go. And after that, it was, it was just a day-to-day -day relationship I tried to create with our strength coach back at that point. He was, was very good at what he does, big, fast, strong. That was his motto. We're going we're gonna to do this. I think there's some bits and pieces that we can grow on this. And I brought, I brought some ideas and we never banked heads or anything like that, but there were particular cases that I, I should have handled this better. Uh, maybe I didn't use the right language with this particular person. Uh, 
and just having a professional approach with him, not walking into the weight room going, no, nope, we're not doing that today. Uh, actually having a plan when you go in. Hey, can I see the game plan for Kevin today? Uh, Kevin's having a problem with his hamstring, low back's tight. Uh, what do you got on board? Okay, I see this, this, and this. What do you got on this? And seeing if you can create those conversations and maybe have a better exercise prescription on that particular day without trying to kill the long-term development of his game plan in the end. Yeah, because at the end, if you can live to fight another day, everything's going to be all right anyway. <laughs> That's the idea sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So do you think then that having your time coming from the sports med facility into the weight room has impacted how you look at those conversations more as a strength coach listening to the sports medicine practitioner now? Oh, without a doubt. I, there's not a day that our athletic trainer doesn't come into my office, whether it's either to BS about something or have a conversation about a kid, whether it's his well-being, whether if it's something he picked up after a training session, hey, have a conversation with, with Carl about his elbow. Okay, I'll do that. Um, I'll do my assessment, and if I see something that needs a little deeper conversation, that he can't do something in the weight room, all right, we'll take – We'll take those regressions, make sure we're not putting him in a bad situation. But, yeah, there's there's not a day that he doesn't come in and we have a conversation. Is everything going all right with the injury report? Are we doing the right things? Even even in a grand scheme, are we doing the right things for the team? What are you seeing? What are the conversations you're having in the athletic training room? Are they just cash? Are they not saying something? I mean, I have a nice relationship with our academic advisor, too. Hey, what's the, what's the workload right now? Uh, we all know that the body, stress, stress is stress is stress. Like, no matter what you put on it, whether it's physically, emotionally, psychologically, like, your body handles stress. And so whether I'm putting it on them, the academic advisor's putting it on them, and injury's putting it on them, it's all something we have to take into consideration. So it's, it's trying, to, trying to create this big, big-picture sports performance thing here. Now, how do you manipulate – volumes and intensities around that because the other thing that we know too right when it comes to those academic stresses is some people experience it a little bit more than others and some don't experience it at all <laughs> right <laughs> and that now, those in, are... <laughs> in Vanderbilt like Richmond like it's not like these kids can get away with not doing school no and Whether they uh, care or not about two There you go. There you go. Now, another conversation. Now, those guys, those guys that say they can't handle the academic stress are typically the ones that try to put it off. Like, ah, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And all of a sudden, it's, wow. Like, you'll, you'll catch up to them. So, uh, it's – and for me, it was probably one of the biggest struggles that I had moving from an athletic trainer to a strength and conditioning coach. Like, I knew the science behind it. I knew the, I knew the physiology. I knew the progressions, like the movements and stuff like that. But, damn it, there's an art to this. Holy shit. I mean, what these kids go through, like, emotionally, what their expected expectations are from the position coaches, our academic responsibilities, uh, what they're expected, what I'm expected to, to get out of them in the, and the performance aspects of things. So, like, managing that and actually starting with a conversation with a kid. I mean, I'm for, I've been fortunate the last couple of years to have an intern. So 
we go over the game plan and go through our our pre-work movement stuff like that and that's when i'll take an opportunity to walk around the room and look back at those look back at those daily wellness questionnaires and figure out who i need to talk to all right are we doing the right things are we are we managing this are we managing these guys well are we managing these guys the right way so and then seeing if i need to take a guy out of the situation is he ill uh, does he need to go see our athletic trainer a little bit more before we get started? Come back up and finish the finish the session after he sees him. So um, that communication piece is was is big, big for me. Nah, dude, I couldn't agree more. And I think that I think that the one part, you know, going back to the guys that you were bringing up, you know, the people that maybe waited a little too long, and then they're kind of out in the ocean swimming with sharks at the end. Yeah, it's really a tough spot too, right? Because then, you know, right? You know, you got to make changes because they're in a bad spot. But are you then rewarding the behavior? Because in a way, you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll do this for you because you didn't do the right thing. Or are we doing the right thing because we know that the situation is a risk? You know what I'm saying? Ah, uh, that's all. That's a that's a vicious cycle of a question. There, I I I think that's where you have to create your relationships with your athletes. Some of those guys are going to be the toughest ones that you deal with, but and once you once you get these guys to understand, self awareness is big. Understand understanding the decisions they make outside of the weight room, outside of the baseball field, are going to have a huge impact on what they try to do. Especially when it comes to performance, oh, yeah. I think you'll I think you'll get a lot more guys to like start to question. Ooh, maybe I'm not doing this right, or maybe I need to start this a little bit earlier. No, you're gonna you're gonna have those guys to deal with. It's 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 part of it. It's part of the population that we deal with. Is it easy to handle? No, there's no cookie cutter way to handle it. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest with you. There are guys that there are guys that I've asked to leave the weight room. Like, nope, we're not handling this right. I'm doing everything I can to help you. I'm not going to deal with this attitude today. I'm not going to raise my voice in front of people. I would kindly ask you to leave today, and let's try to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, too, like when you're looking at these high-stress situations, too, with kids, it depends on the individual, too, right? Like understanding oh. that. Not everyone is created equally, sorry to tell you. Um, and if pushing someone to do something on one day when they might not be ready or in for it can burn a bridge, I don't know. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. Then you're kind of just cutting your nose to spite your face. And vice versa, too, right? Like, you're going to have guys that, like, that's how they're going to deal with stress. Like, there's some athletes that are like strength coaches, right? And when they're yeah. getting rattled, they got to clang it and bang it. Yep. So you got to figure out who you're talking with and, and all of that in the situation else. Without a doubt. And I think I remember I remember coming out to your conference at Richmond. I was probably two or three years ago when Randy Ballard was there, and that's exactly what he talked about. Like, who are you dealing with? Where, where do these kids come from? Where, what's their social economic background? Like, figuring a little bit out about these kids personally is going to help you manage them in the weight room. What, when can I push? Uh, something's off today, man. We've you've set my office. I've had enough conversations with you to know something's wrong. Uh, is there something I can do to help? Do you need to talk to somebody else? 
we got sports psych. Is that something? Do you need to talk to Chris? Like who, who in my list of resources do they need to talk to? Yep. And there's also times you got to know them all enough to know. Just going to leave you alone. Yep. <laughs> you, I'm here if you need me, bud. <laughs> yep. You're in one of those moves. All right. Any questions on the program today? All right, air it out, bud. Let's go. Go have some fun. And I'm just going to go to the other side. I'm going to let you do your thing. And I'm, uh, I know better. Yeah, without a doubt. We've all had those guys. We've all had those days. Uh, well, yeah. I think that it takes learning, too, man. Like, there, there would have been days in the past where I would have freaking gone Lost off. No, oh, without a doubt. I. And I'm still, I'm still in the infancy state of this coaching thing. Like I've been, I've been on the strength and conditioning side for about five, six years now. Now my my background, like I said, athletic training. So I dealt with guys and three to four guys at a time, not a team training session. So the art of coaching here is still something that I that I need to get better at and, and improve on. Yeah, no doubt. Man. So then. Moving forward, let's talk about these BBT parameters and what you're doing with the guys there. Well, if you actually show me that you can do that, uh, we stick to the simple stuff. It's the squat progressions, it's the bench press, and it's we try to do the trap bar. The elite form is not probably the best tool when it comes to trap bar readings or anything like that. And depends on where we're at in the particular training program that that given year so first i mean we're going to establish like like i said at the beginning like where are we at in the training program what do you do over the summer and you're going to kind of figure that out in the first couple weeks this guy actually did something this guy's behind and stuff from there but i'm usually with specifics on our velocity based training stuff i'm anywhere between 0.7 and 1 on most, depending on the given athlete and the given day. All right, that's and I'm, I'm not sure what you're looking at with uh, with my specifics here, but using those on the dynamic effort days with those older athletes is kind of the way that I implement the velocity base. And we've also stepped back in the last couple of years to use it as a uh, how the athletes are prepared. We use there's a reaction piece to the elite form. And if the if the times are slow on that particular day, I might knock down their parameters within the training program that particular day. But outside of that, standard stuff, man. I'm not I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to that. Right. So then, when you're looking at it, then with the with the field guys versus the pitchers, how much does that impact what you're doing with them? With the, with not just the general training, but that velocity specific stuff as well. Um, I'll do a lot more of my velocity-based stuff with my position guys. I'll be very honest. Like the ballistic stuff and the power stuff, we'll do med ball, med ball exercises with the pitchers when it comes to that nature. No, I don't get the immediate feedback like I do with the velocity-based training stuff uh, that I would the hitters. Uh, but for the most part, I'll do that on the position guy's side. I mean, that's across the board outfielders, catchers, anything of that nature. But uh, like I said, power uh, is, is going to come from bed balls on the pitching side of things. Now the hitters, 
some of it's position based. Like I'll be a little bit nicer to my catchers, yeah. <laughs> just because just because of the volume that they put on their legs. But our our infielders, our outfielders, will get after it a little bit more with the velocity based stuff, just because they're just not as hard on their legs as the catchers are during the course of the season. Excuse me. So how do you how do you manipulate what you're doing with the catchers then? Because I mean, obviously, like those guys, even the bullpen guys are just literally taking a beat. Like oh. That, I, that's a beautiful part about my position. I actually spend the whole game in the bullpen. I see how much that kid is down, like, the entire time. I'm kind of a pseudo-pitching coach in the bullpen. I monitor workloads down there and everything like that just so we can monitor what these guys are doing. Uh, we can, that's, that's a different conversation. But uh, basically volume. I'll know our, our position coach does a pretty good job of trying to manage loads on catchers, like, on days, off days, I know that if if a guy has one game under his belt versus three on a particular week, I'll manage his program just a little bit differently. Make sure we address the movement patterns. Make sure we regain range of motion and stuff like that before we go into any kind of dynamic effort or or base foundation strength, depending on the catcher that I have and where he's at in our particular program. That's pretty awesome. I think that a lot of that, too, is like, It's interesting how your positioning within the team literally um, has assisted in that kind of whole process. Well, it's one thing. It it all started with managing the pitching workload to start out with. And there were conversations that I'd have with a guy out of the bullpen, like, man, my arm's just not right today. This was when I was an athletic trainer. I'm like, okay, well, I know you didn't pitch live in the game. But you go back and find out that he tried to get hot three times during the course of the game. So that might have been 30, 40 pitches in the bullpen. Even though he didn't go in the game, our pitching coach is kind of going, wait a minute, why is he not right? So that's when I moved down. After, after I moved into the strength and conditioning role, I moved down to the bullpen, and I'll monitor workloads. I'll monitor pitch counts uh, within the game, all right? And I'll report back to our pitching coach, hey, hey, Russ only threw 10 pitches today versus a guy that we kind of had to string out a little bit, might go in the game, might not. He threw 30. So that his role the next day might change. Like, yeah, Russ is good versus the other guy. I can only use – my pitching coach has an understanding that I can only use him in a small dose versus a guy that didn't have a role in the bullpen on that particular day. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Listen, dude, this has been a real killer half hour. I want to get you out of here with one question selfishly. As a guy who started in baseball, in softball, what's the biggest misconception that you see right now when it comes to developing these guys? Uh, ooh, the biggest mis- from both ends here. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Selfishly, I'd like to see what you say here. Oh, wow. Um, being married to particular exercises or not, I think that we've stepped away from trying to develop kids at a young age and not addressing inadequate strength. Like, like there, there are kids that get into my program that just haven't been in the weight room, never touched it. Kid, kid has the innate ability to throw a baseball 90 plus miles an hour and hasn't done anything to help himself become a resilient athlete. It's, uh, it's being married to a particular squat pattern. It's being, being married to 
not doing a uh, particular type of pressing when you're a pitcher. Wait a minute. You throw a baseball over 100 times a day. You can't. You're going to have a hard time selling me that if I do some kind of pressing pattern maybe 10 times a day, that I'm going to have that big of a footprint on your shoulder versus the 100 times that you threw a baseball that, like that. So pitchers being scared to bench press. I'll be honest, like it's not something that I put out in a blanket program with our pitchers because if I put some of our pitchers underneath a bar in the team environment – that's a recipe for disaster. I'm going to tell you that. So, uh, so picking the right patterns, picking the right pressing patterns, picking the right squatting patterns, but just not being married to it as well. I think, yes, you have to do this. You have to do this. Uh, I think that's, yeah, that, that's probably my biggest go-to right there. I dig that, man, because I think that a lot of people do. Like, there's people that are going to, you know, there's weird arguments. And I think that, like, no matter what, like, with what we do, people like to pick these arguments, these fights. I mean, like, there's even people now that are like, oh, well, now we have this time and people are all they're doing is talking about training instead of doing It's like, what? Like, come on. Like, we really want to pick that argument right now? Because we've got people that are actually open to sharing and talking. Like, right. That's, bad. that's probably a beers on a table conversation, though. Um, but it's like... Over half of marriages in America don't survive, but you see coaches willing to freaking die on the sword of some squat or yeah, some methodology instead of building principles and talking with kids and figuring out what's best for them. Like, that's one thing that I always am just like, huh? Like, uh, and cares? that's and that's where you'll see the that that organized chaos, that organized shit show that I talked about in the weight room. It's it's no one where a particular kid's at and having context, like where we're at on a given, where we're at in the, where we're in the season, where they're at on the academic calendar, where they're at on a throwing cycle and things of that nature, not just the clip that you see on Instagram. Like we don't know, we don't know the backstory of where he's at. Like you see, you see a Raldis Chapman, a Raldis Chapman is a ginormous human being, a physical freak, yes. back, back squatting this, bench pressing that. I'm not going to take my freshman that hasn't been in the weight room and put him in a bad position. <laughs> yeah. Just, just because I know, I know the benefits. Like we can like, like periodization. I mean, I know I'm going on a, on a, on a tangent here. I know, I know we probably should wrap it up here, but like periodization, that that's tough to do in collegiate athletics. I mean, no it's, doubt. it's like, yes, it works. It, it works. It's been studied like Eastern European training. They've mastered this stuff, but you know what? They weren't going to class for, four hours and have study hall after this and on a baseball field for four hours and have a tutor to deal with at seven. And hopefully they're doing their homework at the end of the night. And you know what? These kids are social too. Gaming's a big thing. You know what? They didn't get to bed until two. You know what? I, I would love to have this kind of periodization going. All right. Yes, yes, yes. We're doing this. This is awesome. Like we follow these guidelines are perfect. Man, college athletics didn't like that. <laughs> no. No, the real world isn't. And, I, you know, I, I think that that's funny that people still believe that that's possible at times. And, I mean, maybe part of it's my fault because we're <laughs> the people that have brought these people over to talk. And, yeah, you know, some of those models can be useful, but we know yeah. that all models are wrong anyway. But some Not, are useful, right? Some are yeah. useful. Yeah. But, dude, yeah, man, I'm, there's so much gold in what you just said. And it's just, like, understanding, too, like, 
just because a kid has progressed doesn't mean that they can't come up and be like, listen, you know, I know what your stuff says, and I know that you're saying that I should be able to do the next exercise up, but hey, you know what? Like, I hit like out of 14 of the last 15 games, and I was doing the other thing, and I've switched. And now, I mean, like the lump three feet above their ass plays a lot with it too, you know. The and the self awareness, like, the self awareness that these kids yeah. create is phenomenal. And we use we use a, we use an online we use a online format so these kids can go back, and like they have the diary, they can match it up with how they perform, how much they weigh, how they feel with the daily questionnaires and stuff like that. And we'll go back and have conversations if I might try to challenge them with a particular exercise or some progression. It doesn't match up with performance or how they feel on the field. Okay. Like, the end goal is still there. As long as I'm putting them in the position with an exercise prescription and stuff like that based off what they've done and they feel damn good about it, yeah. hey, man, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny, you know, you bring that up like that. You know, like, my point guard this year, there is, like, because we do some stuff that we measure velocity and just make sure things are – numbers are moving right. Yeah. So getting better. Because you, know, you can do it quick, fast. It's easy. Yep. And, and it's two birds, one stone, right? So it's like a, it's a primer the day before a game. Yep. And it's our CNS load. Yep. You know? And you sit there, and it's like, so what are you hitting today? And he's like, I'm going to do the throws instead. Okay. Why is that? Well, because it was working for a while, and I haven't shot well the last two games. So I'm going to see how this works. All right. All right. That plays, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it plays. We want, what are you going to say to that? Nah, dude. You've got to do this. Nah, you know, go ahead. No, no. No, man, we're not. It's As, as long as it's not like, – like I tell I tell my guys all the time, I will, I will do my best not to physically harm you. I will challenge you, but I am not going to harm you. And as soon as these kids have the – like I thought, I get my, my key words is self-awareness. And then they grow professionally and are able to have those conversations with you. Those are, that's big. That's when, you as a, that's when you as a strength coach go, yes, yes, I made that connection with that kid going, all right, we're on the same page. He knows what he needs to perform on the field. We're making good decisions in here. I'm doing the right things to help him get where he wants to be. Yeah, and as long as it follows the principles of what you're doing anyway, like, what do you... Without a doubt. <laughs> that's the fight you want to have? Nope, not me. Nope, not me. I'm the same way. Yeah. No, man. Well, listen, bro, I appreciate it. This is a kick-ass 40 minutes, dude. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. I, I can't wait. This is going to rock and roll, too. It's a great podcast, so I can figure out how to how to make sure that I, I record it. I missed two so far. So mad. But... <laughs> let, let me know if you need any more help, bud. Will do, brother. Appreciate you, man. Cheers. Ah, uh, you too. Have a good day. You too.